Hello, thank you for calling. Please note, as per usual, we're all booked up with an extensive waiting list. Please leave your name and number and we might contact you. Hi and welcome to episode four of An Appointment With, a podcast series where I crash the waiting lists of the beauty industry's best and bring you with me. Now, I have to tell you, this is not the first introduction to this episode that I have recorded. I recorded the most beautiful introduction to this episode and I sent it in to producer Fergal in Tall Tales to stitch it onto the episode. And he came back to me and told me that really, while he can hear me chatting away, all he can really hear is Flumpy, my dog, eating his breakfast in the background, in the not so background. So here we go again. And thank you very much for being with me on this journey. Um, Today's appointment is with a particularly favourite person of mine, Connor Doyle. Connor's a man who's part hair magician, part social media superstar, and now that perfect blend of educator and entertainer. I think these days they're called edutainers, if you will, and they are few and far between to find. This is a path in life which requires a lot of talent and a lot of energy, but Connor at the moment seems to have endless amounts of both. Connor Doyle is the hairdresser with no clients. Nope not even an influencer. And yet he's heading for 100,000 followers on Instagram, having already passed that number on TikTok. So yes, his name and his cocky, perky voice could well be familiar to you. His videos, if you've seen them, are absolutely hilarious. From the series on anxious hairdresser thoughts to the epic fails he's experienced as Connor learns and masters new hair techniques and takes us on his journey. But don't be fooled. Uh, This level of excellent self-deprecation is superseded by brilliant content, showcasing hair you'd sell a kidney for, trust me, and uh, countless terms and trends that the industry and the internet have adopted as their own. I think we may have all seen the hashtag expensive brunette. Well, I think maybe Connor would lay claim to that originally. And this is basically how he began to spin away from salon life and become the sort of educator or edutainer you'd actually want to learn from. While a lot of what he now does kind of started by accident, um, keeping things going is no picnic. Like, it's all very well and good to build the mountain, but then you've got to hike it. Connor is one of the new breed of nomad creative professionals who has to run his business, he has to manage his personal brand and his revenues, while simultaneously keeping up the day job of creating digital content, managing corporate client expectations and dealing with a constantly beeping inbox, all while trying to maintain some form of decent work-life balance and mental sanity. I think think that's something a lot of us can identify with right now. So what follows now, I think, is a great chat and one that I hope will keep you in the very best of company today. We cover everything from Connor's recent ADHD diagnosis and what that actually means to business, to the horrific effects fake tan can have on your highlights. And trust me, that's a serious issue. 
There's plenty of laughs, but yep, also some serious learnings. Um, for fellow hair professionals, it's on how to develop and stay on top of a career, um, as well as tips for the rest of us on salon etiquette, terribly important these days, and how to make the most of our hair and have more and more better hair days. Enjoy. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Because I know you've just moved house, so it's just another thing on the list. So I'm it's, very grateful. You now it's kept me out of the house <laughs> and stopped me worrying about it. So uh, I'm quite grateful for Where that. Where is too. the house? Uh, it's in Wicklow, Dunlavin, Mountain Wicklow, bottom of Glendalough, Wicklow. Oh my, that's proper Wicklow. Proper Wicklow. That's not near an Avoca Wicklow. Mm-mm-mm, not an Avoca <laughs> to be seen. I would say there's everybody from Greystones now is going to kill me because I said it's proper Wicca. But uh, come here, um, were you not planning on moving to Berlin at one stage? Oh, yeah. There's a bit of a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I quickly realized um, that I was romanticizing Berlin as a place to live purely because I love to just go out and party there all the time. Okay. So I uh, quickly found out I just needed a holiday. <laughs> Those strange and it was post COVID probably that you post were... COVID yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. post COVID blowout yeah pretty much so yeah I just needed the holiday I have to say I always have a theory that anywhere where you have to open a bank account it suddenly stops being fun so the idea mm. of oh my god I love going to London I love going to New York yeah but once you get to the stage where you have to open in a bank account there mm-hmm. you don't have spending money you have chores to deal with you've life admin you've work yeah it takes all the the crack yeah I think as well um I, ha- I do that thing a lot of people do and like they have a couple of things they need to sort out and they're like I'll just move instead <laughs> <laughs> somebody said uh there's a really good Irish quote and it's like everywhere you go there you are and it's it's quite good isn't it and it, it was I was like oh I think I just have a couple of things in my life I need to iron out and moving to Berlin won't necessarily fix that <laughs> but it's funny all my clients that I because like that I don't do clients anymore um they were like did you just say Berlin so you didn't have to do my hair anymore I'm like no I just didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> it's what was the thing from Friends? You know, was it one wherever it's street it was? In other words, I've moved mm. miles away or whatever. Anyway, sorry, I digress. First question, always ask the same question. And that is, because you have no clients, mm-hmm. you're a wandering menstrual. Yeah. So if we were having an appointment, a yeah. hair appointment, yeah. where would it be? Um, anywhere and everywhere, you know, back of a street somewhere. Now, it's uh, so at the minute I'm renting a space uh, that I use with a friend Dara who owns a place called DM Hairdressing, and I use that as a place for like creating the content and stuff. And it's just an inch court. It's a nice spot, and it, it was around the corner from where I was living. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not really based anywhere as such because, as you said, I'm a bit nomadic in uh, my work style. But I've seen um stuff that you've posted up mm. on TikTok or whatever. It's as likely to be a cottage oh, yeah, the Atlantic. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I just bring a bag of equipment basically anywhere and when, when the moment strikes, essentially. Yeah, and I think that's it's kind of a, a good representation to have because there's a huge amount of, um, you know, mobile hairdressers. I think something like 15% um, of hairdressing now is mobile. And you don't really see a lot of representation that online of like everything, all the perfect background, the perfect white wall, which I aim for sometimes. But other times it is, is a dog bowl that we're using for color potentially or a hostel somewhere or you know it's it's something in our craft that it is portable and it doesn't we don't always reflect that enough it's an interesting thing you say about having a car full mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. like you are a mobile hairdresser am i right in thinking that this is how this phase of your career started with lockdown one um a little bit i think 
I was constantly just looking for places to film and create content and stuff that I just had to kind of adapt. Like I have a whole pop-up studio in the boot where I can like put up something against a background or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's it definitely became uh, more of a kind of need than anything else because I was living in Kerry at the time. There was no salons around or anything. So I was like, right, how can I turn Jack's family's kitchen into the perfect photo background? But uh, yeah, so that, that definitely was a necessity. Jack being your partner. My partner, yeah. yeah. Um, how old are you now? I am 29. 29. Okay, so what was 19-year-old Connor Doyle doing? Because am I right in thinking hairdressing wasn't plan A? Uh, it actually wasn't, yeah. So I think had I'd probably just gone into hairdressing at this point. Um, I finished school just as I turned 17, which is insane when you think about like that mm. you need to have your mind made up at that point um but I went to college I uh, was doing psychology initially and then I changed that I did music and French and economics randomly economics being the one I loved weirdly enough um but it was the whole thing of when I was still in school you're we told it was a dropout option and I always wanted to do that hairdressing was yeah not economics no <laughs> economics no yeah. a little, little bit dull but not a dropout option mm. but uh, yeah I always wanted to do hair um it was always in my peripheral but I I saw it at the time as a hobby I'm doing um I keep forgetting that there's no camera so just so everyone knows we're doing inverted comic quotes, quotes so I don't offend the whole industry <laughs> um yeah so it wasn't always the plan as such um but yeah I did end up doing it by 19 I think I just started uh did you go to college yeah to study uh oh, this was English so no it was psychology initially and then I actually got quite sick and then I went to music and French and then got sick again and then I was like I think I better do hairdressing before I die and was it stress related illness no so I'm diabetic um so I was diagnosed at 18 type, and type, type one. one yeah yeah type one representing the T1s out there but it uh yeah I got I really really unwell I, I actually lost my eyesight and stuff and then got like really thin really sick but I was just like oh no I'm in college is this just what happens like does everybody COVID blind but um yeah so I ended up quite sick and that's why I changed initially my first course uh because I always wanted to do music so music French uh economics all that and then I got sick again it was kind of almost like a secondary result of being so sick the year before I got this thing called a uh, perimyocarditis which is like swelling of the heart drama you know and that's why I, I it was actually my mom said it to me I was like sitting like in ICU like and uh, my mom was like when, when you're when you get out of this would you not just go into hairdressing you always wanted to do that but I I fully thought like that that would be a disappointment at the time you know yeah. I was like oh you can't leave college and go into hairdressing because that was the narrative at the time you know God almighty. But obviously it wasn't your narrative. You went off, you did it. Yeah. You went first to? Um, I went first to like a small salon mm-hmm. um, that for reasons very clear I will not name. Um, <laughs> for their safety as well. For as their yours. safety and security. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I started up there and you know, I had some really great training in there though from a woman who I'd still keep in contact yeah. with. We, the management more so the issue but uh I, I had this really amazing woman called Dee Pierce who used to work for Peter Mark and she did one-on-one training with me and kind of I got to almost accelerate a little bit mm. because it was just me and then when that um business then kind of uh fell apart a bit I went then to Peter Mark and I did Peter Mark then for about you blew up the business didn't you um I did quite literally yeah yeah Guy we're not style. talking figuratively I actually did uh <laughs> explode at the building right so then Peter Mark took you oh they did yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah I was in there for seven years uh in Dundrum mm-hmm. changed to Dundrum wasn't wasn't going anywhere else and yeah, it was it was good. Like they they really were very good to me. In fairness, and so in in those days, were you color? Were you cut? 
Were you styling? What What was your area? Um, I would have always been very colour focused, but we had to do everything. Mm. So God help you if you were booked in with me for like an upstyle or a jabs. It, it was, you know, you're getting stabbed with pins, all sorts. Um, but yeah, it would have been colour focused and I, I kind of started to organically build a colour clientele there. And w- what I started to notice, like it was kind of at the same time social media was taking off within our industry. Um, you know, it started being monetized that way and we were starting to see a very rapid acceleration of trends. So I kind of, made it my um like mission to try to figure that out a little bit for the irish market because you know it, it was never like that before for years hairdressing was you're getting a full head or you're getting a half head you're getting a well tint. we as clients would bring in a picture of jennifer aniston of course and say can i look like that please yeah and we would just <laughs> staple it to your head i mean like there you go um yeah but it was it was all very uniform and we, we were like a machine you know i used to be able to do eight nine ten clients a day and the biggest change would be, okay, you're getting a low light or you might be one to two instead of two to one, all this kind of stuff. So it was very mechanical um, where kind of the birth of very custom bespoke color had just started happening and we were then being exposed to that through social media. So I kind of started to try educate around that and offer that. And then I, I started just building a very big color clientele within that mm. and inevitably ended up wanting to share that as an educator. So that's why I left then. It was kind of to pursue that. So... The Peter Mark era, did mm-hmm. that, am I right in thinking you started to get into education after that? Pre-COVID, but after that you were doing courses? I was doing a bit with them and then I just wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to have my own business and everything like that, which isn't always conducive when you're working for such a big company. Yeah. So it was a really good kind of uh, parting, like it was, a, mm. it was a nice breakup and they were very good to me and I focused on that. But that's when I, I did continue clients for about two or three years then in Wildflower in Ranelagh. Um, I worked alongside there for a while because Danielle was very Danielle's a really good friend of mine and knew my vision and was was happy for um Wildflower to be complementary to that if that kind of makes well, sense. Well, it's all the same ethos, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's mm. all about you know balance and you know ultimately putting almost putting yourself forward and what you want to do and everything like that. Um, so I was there for a while and you know that's when I did a bit more of the education and yeah, then COVID happened. So that was a nice little U turn. How long was your um book at that stage? How long did it take to get an appointment with you in the Wildflower days? Oh God, by the end of it, it was nearly seven or eight months. Like, okay, that's on stressful. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of the dream we're always sold, isn't it? As hairdressers, oh, you want to be booked out like once in advance, but it's very, um, it's quite difficult because you've, you've inherently given away all of your time and flexibility and you might have holidays booked in. That's fine. But no, you know, we don't live in a world where people will book their birthdays or their like hen weekends or, you know, people coming home that far in advance. So it's a lot of strain then because ultimately you have to then ring a whole, you know, week full of people and say, I'm really sorry, but, you know, I, I want to go to my friend's 30th this week or whatever. Mm. But then it's up to us to try and figure out where to put them because when you develop like this kind of hardcore customer client loyalty, they won't go anywhere else. They 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 won't, you know, and you're like, well, I, I'll just have to f- squeeze you in in the other week. And it is, it, it can be really difficult. And I think it was something, again, that maybe is romanticized a bit in our industry, like mm. the hustle and being booked out. But ultimately the trade of that is you're giving away your free time and your flexibility. So it can be quite challenging. Well, I suppose if you have a six day, mm-hmm. you have 10 clients you need to book in somewhere. Yeah. So that's maybe 10 times three hours. That's 30 hours. Yeah, exactly. That's a working week you've got to try and yeah. fit in. Never mind, you know, when COVID hit and you're out for two weeks, yeah. where do you put them? You know, or you have people who, like I had a lot of people that flew over, you know, I had clients from kind of everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, I'm really sorry, you're going to have to check, you know, and it's, it's something that's not really spoken about in the industry because during Celtic Tiger days, it was you show up and you walk out minted at the end of that week 
and you, there was a bit of flexibility because the kind of bespoke color hadn't fully arrived the way it did you could recommend somebody else and they do something quite similar mm. um but when you yeah as you said like it's a double-edged sword when you have this like unwavering client loyalty it's actually very hard to put yourself first and that's why there's a huge amount of hairdressers end up sick all the time because yeah. small colds are ignored or small back pain or small little things that you don't have time to acknowledge turn into bigger things and we're not really educated how to deal with that in our industry. Or relationships break down because you don't have the time to invest oh my in God. them. Or all the other lifestyle stuff that impacts on your Honestly, life. yeah. Because you're in the salon. Yeah, yeah, how I still have a relationship, I swear to God. Because it is as well, on top of like the fact that you run over all the time or you don't have that flexibility, your social battery is drained. Mm. And you could come home after 12 hours and you're like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Mm. ever again <laughs> not great for a relationship I will say is my only piece of relationship advice I can offer well considering they say communication is at the heart mm-hmm. for a relationship mm-hmm. I just scroll for five hours please yeah, yeah. Um, and it also probably makes the point that the 3am appointment in the west of Ireland in a cottage on the Atlantic suddenly becomes a reality because that's the only time you can do someone yeah are you like that's why your friends get absolutely shafted mm. like I have like that I've gone to my mother's house at one o'clock in the morning to be like this is the only time I can do this for you or you know or they're getting like uh, so we're doing this color today because this is the only one I have in my car you know <laughs> um yeah absolutely it, yeah. Can, it can be if only like they it's they always say like the people most neglected in hairdressers are their mothers and their friends and families it's such a misconception oh your son's a hairdresser that's the first thing everybody says you must be so lucky I have my mother trained how to do her own hair and I just fix it twice a year. That's brilliant. Yeah. And hence why you are an educator. Mm-hmm. Before we get on to the education part, tell me about COVID. And because am I right in thinking COVID was kind of like the filling of the sandwich of wildflower mm-hmm. in COVID time? So you were there for three years, but COVID kind of wedged into the yeah, middle of it. Yeah, exactly. So what happened to you in that time? Because COVID. You, you left the salon. Yeah, well, like exactly. Everyone. Every, exactly. So I that's when I moved to Kerry at that point, because I... I don't know how many lockdowns were there, like three or four? Can't, yeah, they all kind of blended into mm-hmm. one, though, didn't they? Um, three main ones, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the first lockdown went to Kerry, second lockdown went back to Dublin, and I was like, oh, do you know, I actually prefer it if we're going to be in this for an indefinite amount of time. I'm going to go to the tumbling, rolling greenhouse of Kerry, and that's, again, where my boyfriend is from. So we went down there and stuff, and I, at the time, had been booked for the year for education events, so whether it was overseas or seminars or uh, just booked in classes or my own stuff, and just every day another email would have to be I have to cancel this and it was costing me money and all this kind of stuff so I was like okay, I would have to make this back somehow and that's when I kind of turned into more focusing on social media and because at the time I didn't really have a big following maybe about like five six thousand I don't really know mm. um but I I think because I was so far away from everyone as well I was like right okay I'm gonna maybe just this would be my way of outreaching and the, the initial idea wasn't always like to monetize and to do that I actually just wanted to have a bit of fun with it I wanted to reach out I thought everything was so serious and so heavy online and the industry was just constantly talking about how miserable it is and like we can't do anything so that's when I kind of started to develop that through like comedy or like you know funny things just trying to interact with people and very quickly that took over and then very quickly I realized I was reaching more hairdressers that then I'm like oh hey if you know if you want to give me money I can show you some techniques we'll do it virtually why not like this is what I normally do and that's kind of how that business kind of I, it was born of the circumstance mm. you know and, and that's kind of when the education really took like a front seat and more clientele where it kind of took a, a back seat we didn't have a choice with COVID. but it was perfect timing in a way I mean I know it was literally um serendipitous mm-hmm. but um am I right in thinking Jack is a trainer yeah and you are a hairdressing trainer mm-hmm. 
Haircut. So you were, <laughs> you were both basically producing each other's content, mm -hmm. learning at a time when everybody else was learning how to do online content. Mm -hmm. So actually, it all flowed brilliantly. Honestly, in terms of like business success, it probably was one of the most profitable and I guess like in a conventional sense, successful moments of like my business history mm -hmm. because we kind of filled a, a gap that was going to be filled eventually like people are starting to catch on to it but i i think there's some kind of there's a nice kind of removal that happens when you're physically really far away from everybody else because i was in carry i was like well i don't care if this flops or if people think it's stupid or whatever mm. so I, I really wasn't afraid to put myself out there because i was like i can just turn my phone off worst case and it's just i took a lot of risks that ended up really paying off so yeah it actually from a business sense was was great <laughs> worked out well so you were doing education mm -hmm. on Zoom, which also opened you up to an international market. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just Irish exactly, yeah, um, yeah. people, that hairstylists or whatever that were, were tuning in. So towards the end of, you know, while you were getting this up and going, how many people were doing courses with you? Oh, like I, like thousands. I did. It's incredible. Yeah, it was great. Like I really, I'd done a couple of in, like uh, I was going to say in person, uh, Zoom ones, which were live. And it really was like, they were very like um, deconstructed, I would say. It was literally like the setup we're in now is way more professional than what I had. It, I had literally a ring light, my phone, and an iPhone microphone. And that was it. And I didn't charge a huge amount for them and stuff, but people were bored and people wanted to fill in. So thousands were attending. And then by the end of that, I launched an online subscription uh, platform. Which was we, that on Instagram? That was Instagram, yeah. yeah. We, we had a website, but we ran the videos through Instagram. So it was like a private uh, community page you could join and stuff. And the, the most that we had on it was 900 at one stage. But like in total, we had about 3,000 come through the page as well. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was good. It was, it was good at that sense. But it, then it was when the COVID bubble kind of popped and the life started again. I'd created these two very full-time roles that weren't able to integrate into necessarily life as such. So that was then another learning curve. But for, for the purpose they served then, it was great. It was fantastic. So how do you break it off with eight months worth of clients? With extreme difficulty. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Genuinely. And how did you do it? Because essentially, uh, I was in this really strange place where, as I mentioned to you, the plan initially was Berlin. We were like, okay, we're going to move to Berlin. I had this kind of whole idea. Look, the subscription page is great. It's really profitable. I could set up a studio over there to generate content. We could live in Berlin. Um, because just stuff that was happening in Ireland at the time, wasn't a big fan. And that that made it an easy piece to say to people, look, we're gonna, I'm going to move. But I couldn't, because I was in a lease at the time, I couldn't say online I'm moving away because they would obviously look for dates, of course, yeah. and they're fully entitled to. And we just didn't have that information yet. So I couldn't just put out a big message. I had to do it individually. So one by one. And you're talking about clients that have been with me for 10 years. Crying. Crying. <laughs> which takes up a lot of time, might yeah. I say. It's a lot of chat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it quickly became into like every day knowing that I was going to deliver bad news all day over and over and over. Knowing I was going to run really far behind because you know, follow up questions. Oh, what are your plans? What are you doing? Who should I go to? Mm. Like really doubled the appointment. And it just became, I was waking up every day being like, okay, another day of crushing people's. Breaking it off with people. Like, it is for many It's not breakups. you, it's me. I've really enjoyed our time together. Literally. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of like, um, really surprising reactions sometimes. The people yeah. you would think that would be kind of very upset we're like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, great, okay. And then people that kind of mightn't have even really spoke to you that much still came to you very loyally, didn't really, got really upset. And, you know, you are sort of like taking that on every day. It was quite a lot. Like, and I was coming home every day communicating even less, you know? Mm -hmm. And normally you would say somebody, oh, I'm going somewhere, but you can follow me here. But I was just like, uh, I'm actually finishing up doing yeah. this now. So did you learn anything about boundaries in that time? 
Did you have any? Did you have to build any? How did you resource yourself um, for that? I, I definitely think I gave probably a bit too much of myself mm. to that situation. And I, th- I think I'm very guilty. I think it's a very Irish thing of feeling like you owe people a huge amount of yourself. But I did have really good re- relationships with my clients. Like a lot of my clients are now friends of mine. Like, do you mm. know what I mean? Like some of them I would see, I've gone to some of their weddings. Like we would keep in touch and stuff. Um, But I think there was a couple of things that happened that people would just be like, okay, whatever. And then, or maybe had even canceled appointments and stuff that I was like, oh, I actually really didn't have to do that. Like I really could have just sent an email yeah. <laughs> oh completely you know it or really... even not done that yeah as we've all experienced exactly yeah. it, it really could have been a case of like oh this is what's happening sending out an email like through wildflower and then just maybe filling up and stuff i definitely think i i didn't anticipate but that's the story of my life i'm like yeah. this would be easy this is no big deal and I, I remember being like you know one month into the eight months of bad news and i was like oh, i've made a terrible mistake um yeah i definitely learned a lot more about like preservation and kind of keeping things a bit more do you know the interesting thing though and i'm a huge believer in any time you spend with people it will always come to your advantage because mm-hmm. you don't know in 20 years time what you're going to be doing or that person is going yeah. to be doing but because you treated that person right and with mm-hmm. respect at that time yeah and they accepted your kind respect exactly. yeah, yeah that's gonna come back to you somehow i think so you're yeah. gonna get a parking ticket one day you're gonna need sorted out yeah. and you're not gonna know just the person i'll who be in front of you. a judge one day and she'll walk out with her beautiful blonde hair and i'll be like i recognize that yeah no and it, well, like and i think it's it's kind of like um there's some like unsung sort of like triumphs of being a hairdresser and part of that is that you meet a huge amount of people from all sorts of backgrounds lives connections that you wouldn't normally mm. and it's been so beneficial. Do you know what I mean? I know, I've literally like know somebody who's in everything. Yeah, yeah. And like that, I think, I think part of that was that I did have such a good relationship that it was, again, that double-edged sword where it was great, but it made it very hard. It did, it did feel very emotional being yeah. like, oh, I'm really, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. Because, you know, some people I've been with them shaving their head for cancer and it's grown back and we think, you know, all these kind of milestones Um, that it, while I do wish I was more bounded from the start, I don't think I would have changed the explanation that I gave people or feeling that I had mm-hmm a more personal connection but it's genuine it's you exactly so you're yeah. just acting out of out yeah of you um i want to get down to the nitty-gritty about your uh social channels because Go for it. i think i came across you on tiktok i'd say it was just after the new year this year mm-hmm. and what i loved was i loved the um just the, the i suppose the attitude the humor the fun mm. the fact that life isn't perfect the fact that you know, mm-hmm. hair hairstyles go wrong, hair color goes wrong, yeah. days go wrong or whatever. And you always have a really, really good way of framing stuff. Mm. This was all natural. This wasn't you working to a template or mm. a social media strategy, was it? No. Funny enough, TikTok is a funny one. Um, so my TikTok was kind of an accident. So basically I had a TikTok. I've had two. And the first one I kind of had with the intention of being like separate to what I did. It was just kind of a funny thing. And then I got bored of it and I deleted it. I had about 10,000 followers, but I was like, man, I just, I didn't, TikTok at the time wasn't seen as being that valuable. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I really shouldn't have gotten rid of that page. So I set up a new one, but my main intention with it was almost like I was going to use it to test things. So I would put something out there and then based on how many, let's say, likes of views it got, I would determine um, if it was a good piece of content or not, or if it was like Instagram worthy, let's say. And yeah, a lot of that was like sharing mistakes and stuff. Um, but then I just wanted to see how that was received. But then I, it not only did it serve as like research, suddenly the following started growing and, and people were interacting. I was like, oh, oh, I, I, this is actually something that I need to kind of look into. So I kind of just felt like, yeah, it, it was kind of um, an accident in terms of how TikTok grew. 
but the wanting to share of the more realistic experience that was always there that was always intentional and um, because i think it's really important i think social media you know we all hear about it in terms of like photoshop but there's there's emotional photoshop there's like business photoshop there's 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 social photoshop there's so much more um kind of subtle but quite sinister elements that people don't share mm, mm. um than the very obvious stuff so i just wanted people to let in on that and i was kind of one of the first to start making it's a very niche um thing but like parody hair videos and stuff like to just show basic things going wrong or like anxiety and thoughts that we have and stuff and that kind of that kind of niche very quickly took off it's quite popular for a lot of people to do that kind of stuff now and i'm not saying that i invented it but totally did well you were you were the first person totally i saw did. doing it i um, love the backwash disasters yeah, yeah i yeah, love yeah. the difficult clients all of that stuff yeah. because we all recognize these things oh uh, yeah lives. and like that now I, I do joke there was a few people doing it but it was mm. it was uh i just kind of wanted to really go for it and really kind of get some of those thoughts out and stuff and really um see what stuck and what resonated and i think as well again tying back to you feel a bit protected when you were stuck at home people were felt a little bit less vulnerable sharing themselves then it was a, it was a good kind of perfect time for everyone to share that experience yeah um and that's kind of what i built it around then it was just authentic and i try even when i'm educating people it's not about you coming in and i'm a teacher and you all sit down and i do a demo and you take notes we're, we're having a chat we come in we solve some problems and by the end of the day hopefully everyone's learned everyone's elevated you know well watching your extension journey was hilarious oh, when yeah. you were teaching yourself and mm -hmm. i think that's what's fun too is we see you learning yeah. the thing you know so you're not coming in as the be all end all at stage one yeah you yeah. know you're we're all going through the process with oh, you oh yeah yeah that was a journey and that was a funny one um because a lot of people were like i had some really really um very well-known blue tick type hairdressers actually unfollow me at that time because it it didn't represent that perfect aesthetic you know yeah. this is how the celebrities do it and and i actually was very happy for that i was like great bye see you later because what i did invite them was a trust and communication and a I felt like a sense of community of people being like, oh, I'd be so afraid to share that. And I'm like, but why? We're all learning. Everybody starts out. And I think we can kind of be put on like pedestals as educators or people with following and stuff to be perfect. Or I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm just starting. I'm not naturally good at this. I never was naturally good at this. And I think it's really, a lot of people don't talk about that. Well, I would be so delighted if the prying eyes would just F off. So I think mm -hmm, you probably mm -hmm. got the, the best position out of it. Because, oh, yeah. And what they haven't seen now is the stage that you've got to. And surely you know if you look at people's gym journeys mm -hmm. even pts of the highest level mm -hmm. they set themselves challenges to try and yeah. reach and the first time they try and jump up on that thing they can't do it and exactly. the hundredth time they can and yeah. i mean that's exactly the same in hairdressing but the idea that you're meant to go in knowing everything is ridiculous yeah, and it's it is funny because even like you know to tie it back to you know health and fitness and stuff most times people only share their transformation when they've reached that point yeah and actually it's very rare you'll see somebody just be like this is what i am right now um, and i'm just starting today and i find that more engaging and that's kind of what i want to do whenever i'm learning something because as an educator i think it's really important that people can reach out to me regardless of their skill and know that I'm not going to ridicule them or nobody's going to ridicule them and that's why I showed that absolutely horrendous extension video like the first one I did I've never laughed so much because I was really, brilliant it was I really did brilliant. think I had some sort of grasp on it now throw a few curls in it'll be fine now made it worse um but it, and it, it's accountability as well isn't it right it kind of I'm documenting where I'm at. I need to prove that I'm going to get better. So you kind of stick with it. And it's something that I really encourage people to do. It's brilliant. Um, so much of your stuff has gone viral. But mm -hmm. tell us some of the early things that happened that made you go, oh, God, there's somebody watching this and there's somebody reposting this. Um, there's been a few, I guess. 
yeah, there's been some interesting things. I've had I've had people take formats and stuff for videos I've made and directly copy them, but they a million followers, stuff like that. And it used to really bug me, but you know what? Like that just happens. And I say this to people all the time because there's loads of people I know like they're like, this person copied me. And I'm like, you came up with it, you'll come up with something better the next time and you know, everyone will know whatever. Easy to imitate, hard to innovate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it just it kind of fuels you for it. And then there was like I started education around um uh, a course called Expensive Brown uh years ago. And it was, you know, it was all about branding and how you can take a technique and turn it into a certain name so that you're selling it like a luxury good. So it was giving hairdressers this um, service they could sell as a luxury good. Mm. And I taught it um, in Ireland for years. I then taught it online through COVID, through an international audience. I think we had um, across the three courses for Expensive Brown alone, we had maybe, I think maybe nearly 2,000 people did it. Like, Wow. Um, and, ve- and then the next year, suddenly Hayley Bieber is walking around with... I don't know if you saw this and it was like with a new trend, expensive brunette. Do you know, it's really funny because ahead of today, Mm. I couldn't remember if it was expensive brown or expensive brunette. And I put in hashtag expensive. Yeah, yeah. And sorry, expensive could be a handbag or anything else in anyone's life. Mm -hmm. But the two top things were expensive brown and expensive brunette. Yeah, so that took off. And I remember so many people sent it to me. They're like, oh my God, because people were like, would you not have copyrighted? And so I'm like, well, first and foremost, it's a different name. So it didn't make a difference. But you just can't hang on to that stuff. There's no point, Mm. you know? I was like, oh, weird. (laughs) You know. Bitch stole your hashtag, basically, that Hayley Bieber one. God damn it, Hayley. (laughs) And you know, and I even wrote to her, I was like, and, you know, because you know, they used to, do you ever just write to a celebrity because they're never going to see it. And it's kind of funny. I was like, I invented that trend. <laughs> and that was, and I was like, that's all I need. And then I deleted it. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, like, I kind of just see it as a really cool thing mm. because if it ever did come down to it, I could scroll way, way back and be like, there it is. You Absolutely. know, everything's you could, documented. And it, I just think there's no point really hanging on to it. Well, you're probably on to the next, knowing you. 20 things, mm, you know, mm. you've left it behind. And mm. um, it must get, it must give you a buzz in the industry, no matter how established we all are or think we are or are trying to become. When you see somebody very established in the industry responding to you, following mm. you. Yeah, definitely. Copy. It's it's cool. It's um, It took some getting used to to not let it kind of mess at your head a little bit. You mm. know what I mean? Um, If you have somebody who does like the Kardashians hair or something, following, you're, you get a bit like... But then, like, they're just the same, you know? And I kind of think about it as in terms of, we're so brainwashed into the whole idea of a following that means somebody's worth more is different or whatever. And I remember when I, let's say, had, like, a following of under 10K, if I looked at somebody with a following of mine, which would be 80 to 90K, I would be like, oh, my God. And if I met that person, I'd be like, oh, my God, they must be a really good hairdresser. And I'd be really weird around them. And then as I got to that, I'm like, I'm just as weird as I was before. There's no difference. And as I've met so many different people in the industry, and realize that everyone's just the same. Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. the same struggles. Um, it doesn't affect me as much anymore, you know, and I have some really cool people that follow me and we follow each other and network and stuff, but it, it, it's just the same as anybody now. Whereas I do think at the start when those first kind of few come in, while you do get a rush of like, oh, that's cool. It, it, it does come with nerves. Yeah. It does come with like, you scan through your own profile. Is, is this the right thing? But isn't that the whole point of social media? Isn't that why we all are monkeys to it? It's the mm. dopamine hit. It's mm-hmm. the adrenaline rush. Yeah. It's the thrill of connecting with somebody who you used to cut pictures out of for a mood board. Exactly. You know, you know and like that, it, it can be really... Um, it can really damage people as well because they they kind of are like, oh, I better start taking this seriously. Mm. And they kind of, and I've done it, you kind of almost uh, slightly 
kind of funnel your content to be what you think that these people want to see. see and, yeah. You know, um, so I do think there's pros and cons for sure. Mm. But yeah, it's always lovely. It's not even following. I think it's just lovely when maybe people get in touch or contact and it's not even about who they are. I like it's There's people that I have that have barely any following, but I know them through working with them or seeing them at different events. So, and their opinion sometimes means more to me yeah. because I really admire their work, not necessarily their, their, um, profile yeah exactly tell me on the other side so they're the kind of the aspirationals and then you have the crack through all your text boxes Mm -hmm. on instagram Mm -hmm. stories and i've seen some of them they're brilliant like what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened but it's really good content you get back great what are some of your favorites that people have hit up that people have said your text boxes over the years oh god there's so many but like really scandalous things people have told me and i'm like stuff that i i'm like i can't share this like I can't put this in a box or people would be like you know um there was one person who told me that he was on a night out and then he went home with this guy and that was fine and then one of his clients was in it was like oh my husband's just dropping in and um, my wallet is that okay and it was him you know like stuff like this that you're like I'm not gonna share that but that is very funny <laughs> but also really sad uh, or like I had one submitted of what is the worst haircuts people have gotten like as in like that they asked for you know that was intentional and stuff that was really and truly now got me through some pretty bad days i just screenshot some of them. they were so funny um there's always the accidentally saying blow job instead of blow dry the you, you know this kind of stuff but more than anything again it, it allows people to kind of relax their shoulders a bit and you know be like oh i thought that was just me or i thought i just had this experience but you know what i also quite like about it and from a content creator's perspective mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to let your followers create the Mm. content you just put up a box ask the questions and they give you the gold yeah which keeps you going for about two or three days which is brilliant it is great and it's it's something that i used to do and that i'm trying to get back to because i think because of covid and because i was then managing uh very much the business side of online i lost a bit of connection with my followers and a a bit of connection of that sense of community and then as you as you work with brands and stuff you kind of feel like you have to polish and refine a bit and that's what i'm trying to get back to because yeah it's first of all it's easy you know and you're getting like kind of essentially free literal content free stories and everything but it does it allows you to laugh with them and it allows you to kind of you know respond and open conversation and have these moments and you know um be something that people might go back to well it's bonding and it's community Mm. and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be dublin hairdressing community or Mm -hmm. irish hairdressing community it can be anyone it can be a client yeah or a professional exactly yeah yeah so at the moment just talk me through your channels Mm -hmm. you have one instagram page yes at the moment yes that is a free instagram page and do you still have the subscription page subscription one i have now closed okay yeah so just the instagram page which is my main one yeah and a free tiktok and a free tiktok yeah so people want to pay you for content like I mean, I will accept it. Of course, yeah, you will. We, but we can is, do is a PayPal at the end of it. You're, you're doing yeah, now? so I've gone back to my main graft being um, because I was basically what happened with the subscription thing. It was, as I said, it was really successful, which is great, but it was taking up a huge amount of my time, which I had in COVID. Yeah, and then as life started back again, I just didn't have, and it was starting to get the model didn't fit anymore. The model wasn't. Um, feasible for me to do all the time and I kept no matter how many times I chopped and changed mm. and stuff I just just wasn't really able to um facilitate it but also you had to graft a lot more like even look at Netflix and like how much they've lost because people have gone back to their lives so to maintain the numbers at what they are I was having to promote a lot more I was having to work a lot more I was having to get more inventive with all the content and stuff and I was keeping it at the status quo but I was just like this sucks like this is so time consuming and I'm spending 85% of my life on my phone 
and you know like even well your like, stuff was high production value yeah like I was really going for it and uh, you know like uh, it's you can't outsource it because I couldn't explain to somebody who's not a hairdresser how to record this piece of hair you know mm, it's, it was mm. very challenging so I made a really difficult decision to close that and I might revisit it and do something different with it but it was a very difficult very expensive decision but I was like I just need to go back and reconnect with the person again the hairdresser yeah. so yeah my main grab now is actually going back to I do events um I do like I will go to salons and educate for them and I do a good bit of work with brands and stuff I was going to say you're doing a lot of flying at the moment aren't lots you lots of flying yeah. so you could be in Berlin could like be literally. or but flying you're over, over and back yeah. to London all the time mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. been doing courses in the UK haven't mm-hmm. you in yeah. in real life as opposed to yeah online. yeah yeah in, in person which is nice yeah and you're doing loads in Ireland yeah and then we have uh, we are planning America Dubai Australia and couple of European kind of stuff but I like the year is already gone I can't explain it I was only with my manager earlier sitting down and we were like there's nowhere I can put anybody for you're like a Love Island winner aren't you I know yeah like literally you're gonna get a boohoo deal next aren't you yeah yeah (laughs) you see me coming out with like a name brand of like wands or something absolutely (laughs) magic wands yeah yeah um speaking of magic wands Mm -hmm. um tell me about your superpower what have you been diagnosed with my superpower. I was like, which one? Um, yeah, so I have ADHD and that's something that like you always have it. It's not something that you develop. There's there's honestly so many misconceptions around it. And how I, I got to that point of realizing that was actually um, when I'd made that transition in my life from hairdresser hands-on all the time. So when I was really busy, even if I was booked months in advance, I just had to kind of show up and get through the day. And it was very, you know, you had to be engaged and so. And as like my business started trickling more into that online management and more strategy and more planning and more being really organized and then started working with brands and then they have those expectations as well. And then on a very different that I'm doing all the admin all of a sudden, that became really stressful. And I always have been stressed about stuff like that in school. Academically, I did quite well, but would have been very overwhelmed by a lot of things that maybe weren't always. And with, with ADHD, so it's always there, but it can get worse with stress. So your brain, it's its basically how I explain to people is if you're sitting in a, t- in a room and there's like 10 TVs and every TV represents a thought. And then, you know, a typical brain would usually be like, oh, I need to focus on this one. So it can kind of lower the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with an ADHD brain, my interpretation is they're all on at the same time, the same volume. And you're like, I'm really trying to focus on this one, but maybe this one over here is going off extra loud because that one's kind of interesting. You're like, no, 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 I just really need to focus on this one. And the more stressed you get, the louder they all get. And then the room is also spinning for whatever reason. That's how I would kind of explain it. And nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. And then every day more TVs are added and they're louder and louder and louder. Mm. And it's kind of, it's very easy to manage in terms of if you have a hands-on um, situation because you're, you're kind of mind-body connected all the time. But when you are doing more of this kind of admin organizational kind of conceptual planning that's not right in front of you, that's a lot of TVs. They're all very loud. It starts spinning. And and very quickly, um, your day-to-day basics become part of that. Mm. So getting dressed, having a shower, eating, making food, um, getting the keys, going to the shop. Suddenly they become part of this endless list that you can't really hear anything and it can become really overwhelming. So that's kind of what started happening to me. But I... I I didn't really understand why it was happening at that point. And it was getting to the level as well. I was living between Kerry and Dublin, which for anyone is stressful. And it was getting to the level of, um, so like that I'm diabetic and I'd be like, did I take my insulin? Did I bring it with me? Have I taken it twice? Um, mm. Which is quite dangerous. Um, or I'd arrive at work and I'd be like, I don't have my equipment. Or I'd be like, I'm not in work today. And then that would get stress and such fuel. And it, it got to the stage of like, I wouldn't even really be able to meet friends. They'd be like, do you want to get a coffee? And in my head, I'm like, I don't have time for that. I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to facilitate it. 
And I actually started to feel like, because obviously I have to catastrophize everything naturally. Um, you are a hairstylist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't be like me to go for a bit of drama. I was like, I think I have early onset Alzheimer's <laughs> fully. <laughs> I remember sitting down and being like, I don't even remember how I got here. I don't oh remember gosh. any. I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like I was like, something's really wrong. And I had a client that I was chatting to about this one day. Because it was a two-way street with my clients. I think that's why our relationship was so strong. So I probably blurred the boundaries as much as they did. Um, sharing about like, I, I'm really, really struggling. Like my mental health is really taking a hit. And, uh, but I feel like I'm incapable of doing a huge amount of stuff. And she suggested, she was like, that sounds like ADHD, which I thought was for kids. I, I kind of thought ADHD, hyper kids, you grow out of it. Total mm. misconception. And I was like, all right, okay. Went to doctor, went to psychiatrist. And sure enough, he was like, yeah, your textbook, like every single thing, because often ADHD in adults presents as overachievers because you're you're you would have spent your life with people saying you're, you've so much potential and you're not really doing it or like blaming you for maybe being forgetful or, or for for not doing things the right way so you're constantly trying to prove yourself and you're constantly trying to do it and you're constantly trying to you know chase that uh sort of validation in a way so he was saying a lot of people that come to me are business owners CEOs people who don't know the work-life balance and and all of a sudden what would be normal stress has become 10 times worse for them and then it's a vicious cycle because to alleviate your stress you're like but if I just do this thing and it's it's re- it can be really dangerous it can be really really toxic so that was only earlier this year and it was a bit of a light bulb moment but it's um it was only the start you know and I think uh, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work in terms of you have to not only understand it but you have to undo all your bad habits from for life I was going to say have you is are there any structures that you've put in around your life that have helped? Yeah, for sure. Um, like first and foremost, you you have to kind of be, I let, give yourself some leeway with certain things going wrong, right? You, that That's one of the biggest ones. And then I did, I stopped doing clients, I closed business and I put myself first and prioritized that. Uh, and then I'm actually doing like CBT and stuff around it over the next couple of weeks to help kind of build that because the problem with it in adults is that you built uh sort of like i was actually only did a podcast recently explaining this but it was like you built a skyscraper on matchsticks so, so like your basics aren't in place and you have really bad coping mechanisms so like that work boundaries oh, i'll just work till five o'clock in the morning or you know stuff like that so um first step was just acknowledging that first and foremost mm. um in terms of the structures i've been reading uh, i don't know if you read atomic habits yes really good book james clear yeah, yeah very good uh definitely a lot of research and then because i know there's probably people listening that will be like oh what do we do it is you have to take accountability and put work forward people often think you can take a tablet you know that's why there's, there's such an epidemic in some countries around Adderall Ritalin, and all that kind of stuff it will not fix anything if if you don't acknowledge that you need to do a huge amount of work to undo what's happened you the know? atomic habits thing is basically finding little routines mm-hmm. and hooking them to each other and building yeah. up a structure Habit stacking, exactly a structure of living yeah. because I, I kind of get it if you've got all of these tv screens on mm. at the moment and like your a message coming in on the phone is another TV screen going. No, on. yeah, yeah, blaring. A traffic light Screaming. going against you is another TV and screen. And that that's where it can be so debilitating, you know. Mm. And that's it can be, and you you start to get kind of almost um, like so. I was years ago diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder because I list all the time lists, but it was because actually I was so traumatized by myself forgetting things that I would be like, well, if it's not a list, it's not happening. It can't happen. And I'm actually banned from lists. <laughs> like I they were like, you're allowed to have two. I'm like, okay, because it was really bad. So um, basic things like acknowledging that it's a structural thing, like putting the work into really small things, planning a breakfast, knowing where your keys are, um, as that like habit stacking as the mm. reading atomic habits, but around things that we wouldn't think are conventionally important 
are actually the most important things. So it's about having that strong foundation so that if chaos happens throughout the day, you know that oh, I'll have a dinner to come home to. I know that I'm going to meet one of my friends for coffee later. I know that this day is finishing at like 7 p.m. or something like that. So you're basically adulting yourself. Yeah. You're parenting yourself. All We're the like time. you're reverse engineering what you thought was mm. adulting. Because, well, adulting, we all think, woohoo, clear agenda. We can do whatever we want, mm -hmm. whenever we mm -hmm. want. I can have breakfast at four o'clock in the afternoon if I want. Yeah. But actually, there's a reason. Why that you it shouldn't. doesn't. Yeah. And that's why. You know, because people might think that's where the misconception comes that people might think I would have developed ADHD. That doesn't happen. But my life to this point would have been structured mm. just out of my control. I was die or I was, you know, um, I had clients booked in at certain times months in advance. Mm -hmm. That was I'd have to eat before I'd have to eat after I would do the clients during the day. And that was it. You know, there, I didn't have to do any other planning. But when I started having to manage my own calendar and yeah. start creating business structures that already didn't have a blueprint anyway, because I we nobody was prepared for COVID or how to run a business and that. Um, it was just chaos it yeah. really was and you do you neglect there's this um, really famous kind of thing called it's like oh, it's called like the pyramid of basic needs but at the bottom is like oh Maslow's hierarchy of needs yes exactly yeah. and at the very bottom is your basics and at the very top is basically work and stuff right and mine is upside down you know that kind of way and it was because the basics in the short term are very easy to be like, whatever, I just won't have breakfast now. Or I, you know, I just will answer that later or I'll get back to that. I'll breathe it another time. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> there's so much air lying around. It's fine. I'll grab it later. But um, they're the ones that over time are detrimental. And that um, really, if I if I hadn't, um, you know, started to acknowledge it, it just would have been mm. a total burnout situation. It really so was been. that one of your most, as well as being busy and your business growing, was that one of your decision factors in getting um, a manager agent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you, you, you kind of are afraid to ask for help. I can't really explain it. I'd be really bad for that. I'd be like, oh, fine, terrible at delegating. Um, but yeah, getting somebody to manage it or getting somebody. So I have a manager who does all my like admin uh, emails, stuff like that. And then I have an agent who deals with like, Brands, PRs, comms, um, that kind of stuff. But yeah, hugely important. But it's just, do you know, it's it's all around education around it and like empowering people because we're at, or unfortunately at an age of like the TikTok diagnosis, you know, 10 signs you have yes. ADHD and it's like. In, well, a, in a one minute video. Yeah, by somebody who also probably does not have it. And you don't want to be gay. I, I'm very kind of careful when I talk about it online because I never want to appear to be gatekeeping mm. because it went, the few times I do talk about it, people say, I think that's me. I'm like, okay, go talk to the doctor. You know, there's there's a lot of things within it that everyone has, in fact, nearly everything. It's how it presents in your day-to-day -day life and it's mm. how it's um, aggravated by other things and it's how it will present in positive things as well. Like there's loads of there's loads of pros to it as that's what you were saying, a superpower, there's great sides to it. Um, but then people can misdiagnose themselves, miseducate and then decide if I don't get Ritalin or Adderall or whatever, I'm not going to be able to function. Mm. And it's it's a very destructive self narrative, you know. So it's if there any, if there is anybody listening who does think like that or has been recently diagnosed, like it's you do need to actually realize it's just a different way of thinking. But the most important thing is inward work, and like it takes time and just figuring it out. And part of that could be delegating some of your work off or like mm. closing down certain things until you have time to build that kind of pyramid back up from the bottom you know sure sure mm. on the subject of um agents and managers mm -hmm. and all of that kind of world have you any tips for anybody out there who is bad at asking for help whose business maybe it's hairdressing maybe it's something mm -hmm. completely different but they need to find a manager or an agent how did you go about that process because am i right you've got a uk-based yeah agent a UK, I, have yeah. A, I have a uk-based agent and a french manager would you believe she is irish she's living in france Mon Dieu. Mm -hmm, i know um how so did you find them? I'm a leech. 
basically. So I basically, <laughs> to like Danielle. Uh, in Wildflower. Yeah, who owns yeah. Wildflower. Had Carla, who's now my manager. And I was like, do you think Carla would do some merit to me? Because I was like, that seems to be working really well. And likewise with Carrie. Now I knew Carrie, who's my agent, years. I, I knew her through L'Oreal and stuff. But I wasn't fully aware of what she'd offered. I knew she'd opened up this agency, but I didn't realize she represented people through uh, brands and stuff. I thought it was more um, kind of about development and everything. But it's actually a whole different package. And that was again, I was like, oh, hang on, you're doing this for all these people. Hi, can can I do it? So definitely, I think I think it, it's very valuable just sussing out who, who other people are kind of networking yeah. with. Um, well, you do the same <clears throat> if they had a nice pair of Gucci loafers. Yeah. Where did you get them? Where did you get them? Yeah. Yeah. Was the shop nice? <laughs> Were they good? Do they have much selection? Are they capable? Yeah, that'd be it. I think, I think, I know lots of people that go through the formal route. So like Indeed, um, you know, or like put out calls and stuff. Mm. It's, I just, I, I'm, well, legally you're meant to. Of course. Mm-hmm, of course. However. However. Um, people employ people. People employ people. And I think it's good to do that. But I, I think nothing beats a recommendation off someone you know and trust like yeah. anything, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we haven't actually talked about anything to do with hair yet. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Oh, that thing. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to in the notes put in the hair stuff starts at this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I, you know, it would be wrong not to discuss mm-hmm. hair stuff. And I suppose, you know, as a journalist, mm-hmm. I have always been brought up to write about trends. Mm-hmm. But is there such a thing as a hair trend anymore? I mean, okay, at the moment mm. it's all about balayage and expensive brunette or expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. brown or whatever. But yeah. are there trends or what? what's interesting you at the moment? We do see trends. Um, the way hair has evolved a little bit is, is it's a bit more about, there's two sides to it. There is the trends. Trends will always be there. There's kind of your backbone pieces, which is just commercial, beautiful hair that will never go dated. Then there's, there's trends, but trends are happening like, at an absolute like supernova speed. Like, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we have access now, like trends before would have been Jennifer Aniston in Friends arrives with this new haircut. The world goes nuts. Her picture's printed off Google Images. That's how it worked. Because that was the access that we had to new um, kind of information or the runways might eventually trickle down. Whereas now we have TikTok, we have- um, Kardashians. The Kardashians. Although I am amazed. I thought that there would be a raft of platinum. After Kim Kardashian's job. Because you know what? After the first time, yes. The second time people tried it and were like, not for me. As their hair broke in half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As yeah. Kim Kardashian's hair also broke in half. Um, the woman has like six hairs. But <laughs> it's very well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's the trends do happen, but they're so fast. It's so lightning speed. And trends are now dictated by the consumer. So it's not done 100% by celebrity culture anymore. So the trends will be set by um, teenagers on TikTok cutting mm. their hair or seeing something and doing it or like everything everybody's obsessed with it. and it always will be fashion cyclical but like the throwback oh 90s hair it's hair is evolving more to capture what we would call like what the what the kids call a vibe mm. so hair is evolving there's your trends there's your backbone but then there's the vibe there's how it makes you feel there's the aesthetic that it captures and the suitability of the person so while we see new things emerging all the time that could be considered as trends they're not um total they don't dictate they're not there's no like oh my god your hair is so lost it's not absolute no it doesn't really happen like it doesn't really happen like that the only thing that there was was when everybody went weird over like the side parting and now Kim Kardashian walked out with a side parting so everybody's in side parting that was the only thing people were a bit worried about but everyone was like shut up (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't suit everybody and it's it is it's it's just a lot more diverse it's just where the problem is is that you might be asked for something that it has happened so fast that you're like oh, i don't even know what that is that you're showing me yeah but definitely there's there's no kind of out of style things really happening so the way 
you know, the way marketing works mm -hmm. is a brand has to produce mm -hmm. an idea and has to create a story around an yeah. idea and has to sell that on firstly to the professional mm -hmm. and then to the market. What stories out there at the moment do you think are ones that are working? Yeah, and it's a good one. And it's it's actually, I know people that work in trend forecasting and it's a nightmare for them because mm. they're like, we don't know. Licking fingers, sticking you, it in the air. You yeah. know, like, or like by the time I even hit print, is it going to change? Yeah. Um, there's definitely kind of a movement uh, and it'll be interesting to see now because obviously the, the the impending cost of living crisis. Mm. But um, definitely the story through COVID in terms of hair would have been low maintenance and kind of um, this sort of like paired back look. Whereas after COVID lifted, we, we saw a huge story around expensive looking hair, luxury, big volume blow dries, the Dyson, you know, all this very expensive kind of aesthetic mm. that was tied back into people almost reclaiming, you know, with their identity and reclaiming, I can go to the hairdressers again, I can go out and I can wear my nice clothes. And that, people really rolled that and that became the story for the commercial hair, mm. if that makes sense. Um, well, of course it did because happy days, everybody is spending money on hair again. Yeah, exactly. And everybody wants to spend money on hair yeah. again because we're all sick of our exactly. six so, inch roots. So that kind of, yeah, so that kind of, the lived in thing got pushed aside and a more luxurious movement kind of started. But then hair is really funny. Hair can, hair can um, tell the story of what, society is thinking and stuff as well so we're seeing a lot of punk hair mm. we're seeing a lot of um anti-establishment anti-capitalism anti because people are getting into that they're getting to the music the styles it's it's bringing back you know certain things we would have been exposed to so we're seeing a lot of like really heavy vivid block placement mullets have been there for a while but loads are, of mullets oh they're, they're now escalating to like extreme mullets you know like kind of finger to the man mullets basically you've been doing some great stuff with extensions yeah America. yeah i think there there's a really cool uh markets there for for bringing two worlds that wouldn't always be together together and it's not it's not an original thing i didn't come up with this like it's been done for a while but it's not always brought to the forefront if that makes sense it's a lovely idea though because if you decide you want a mullet for two months and maybe mm -hmm. not for the rest of your life you don't have to spend a year growing it oh yeah yeah just and, like but get to get it razor cut back into your hair it's, mm -hmm. it's lovely yeah so mm. it's fun so that's it the movement that we see now is a bit more edgy a bit more like anti-capitalistic yeah what the what the punk kind of thing would represent we're seeing that come up in hair a bit um tell me about uh the worst things that clients can do going in is the worst thing to bring in a picture on instagram that is beautifully lit and said can i have that please do you know what no um i think people get a bit funny about that but we're we're totally happy with pictures i think it's once your expectations are in line with what's achievable mm. the worst things clients can do is just not listen you know, I have no issue if somebody ever came into me and it was something absolutely off the walls ridiculous. Like I'd be like, you, you don't even physically have that much hair. Like I can't, I can't make your hair look like this. But if if they're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Well, what's realistic? And then we maybe share some ideas. They don't always have to agree. They be like, oh, it's not real. I'm looking for mm -hmm. no problem, no harm done. The worst thing a client can do is sit there and say, but I saw this was done online. This hair, I hear is a video of this person doing it. Yeah, can you not do this? that's the worst thing because it's 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 um undermining us as, as telling you on our advice but it's also saying this person's better mm, mm. without taking into account the vast plethora of reasons of why that wouldn't be achievable that'd be the worst thing in terms of like just coming across like a bit of an ass yeah but also in terms of yourself like really setting yourself up to fail and um, that and coming in late with a coffee that would drive me insane yeah it does mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without a call without a call or a coffee for me yeah yeah. You know, I would take it like I and look, I believe your clients are a reflection of you. So I am constantly a small bit late. I'm very chaotic. 
all over the place, as you can see sitting in front of you right now. My clients kind of reflected that. So a couple of minutes late, they might come in with a coffee for me, or I might get a text, you might never grab a coffee. That's fine. But if I had somebody who was kind of just showed up 20 minutes late without even apologizing mm. and sat down with blatantly enough time to go and queue in a very busy cafe across the road, mm. that would be very infuriating mm. for me. Mm-mm. Definitely. And how about the client that comes in? Hi, I'm brand new. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to do something that you'd no idea I was going to ask you to do. Yeah. That's quite complicated. So we, um, something I heavily encourage people doing, and most salons do it now, but when I was training, wasn't a thing, was the pre-consult. So you would always get somebody in if they're a new client to you for a consultation. What is it you're looking for? So you can just stub that out. Yeah. Because it's detrimental not to, because if somebody comes in and they're sitting down that you've booked out four hours, let's say, and they ask for something, you're like, I can't do that. They leave and you've lost that day's wage, you know? So always new clients, always come in first. But also I would imagine if somebody is going to ask me to write a feature, Mm -hmm. if you ask me to write, if you're going to tell me now that you want me to do something that's going to be a big feature, a four hour job, and I want it straight away, I haven't researched it. Exactly. I I don't even know if I have the information to hand. Yeah. But it must be the same with you guys. You need to know if you've got the product. Mm -hmm. Have you got the right bits for it yeah has and the he, person got done a patch test well this is it like and even um you know like strand testing alone can take like if you want to strand a couple of things and with your consultation that's an hour and a half like yeah. you know yeah so i used to always just get people to come in in the evening if they're new clients and have set days it was like usually monday or tuesday and come in we have a chat and i'll tell you if it's realistic or not. but you know i've started adopting that tip fo- following you telling me this mm-hmm. before and it works so well because actually it makes the appointment run a lot quicker mm-hmm. everybody has the product they need mm-hmm. sometimes I need to go out and get something that goes yeah. with it. You know, is it a hair accessory mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. going to go with the thing or whatever? Um, and it, it just, it's a more civil way of just doing business, yeah, but isn't it? And you're also, you're like, you're handing, you're eliminating massively complaints, reviews, all this kind of stuff. Because people uh, can come in and you have to look at it from a client perspective as well. Like it's not their job to understand this all the time. And they could come in and say, I want this goal. And mm. somebody suddenly is giving them all this information, probably in a very reduced amount of time because of their time pressure of why they can't have it. And the clients can, under pressure, feel a bit confused and just kind of start agreeing to things. Yeah. And we have to take accountability as hairdressers that that's not they they are not qualified to yeah. understand the information we're giving them all the time, and that's when you get people ball and crying in front of a mirror and they pay <laughs> you know because and then they become a feature in your one of your videos <laughs> yeah 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 or they're yeah. TikTok viral I went to a hairdresser asked for this and now I got this or whatever because nobody's having a good time there yeah whereas when you actually say to someone listen what you're asking for can't really do it and um, this is what I can do this is probably what's going to cost why don't you go off and you tell me tomorrow if you're going to book it or not if I don't hear from you we won't and then you know what like best of luck if they don't you've saved yourself some time mm. do you know the thing that drives me mad at the moment and especially that TikTok I think is particularly guilty of mm-hmm. um, the person that you're seeing on the screen you don't know that they're wearing a wig mm-hmm. you don't know that they've gone through however many versions of however many filters you don't know that they've had their makeup mm-hmm. professionally applied or whatever there's all of this yeah. stuff around changes of hair mm-hmm. that you don't know the story behind it so yeah. how can you expect to look like this person all the time Exactly. And it's also, um, I can make you look like that today. How are you going to feel about it in a week? You know, like with these more high maintenance colors and stuff, like mm. bleach ups became quite big again. Um, Post COVID again, you know, roots gone, claiming back. And people come in, I'm like, okay, are, are you happy to know that the color that it is today after one wash, it won't really be that color. It'll be something slightly warmer and you can't do anything about it for probably another two weeks. Then you have to use this product, this product, this product, this product. You need to rebook at least this frequently, you know, um, that's what we don't see. Yeah. Or we don't see 
what they're like in four weeks time we don't see you know or, or like first thing in the morning exactly you yeah. know and that's why i don't even bleach my hair anymore because i absolutely hate having to deal with it like and i'm short hair and i'm a hairdresser yeah 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 you know yeah, what yeah. i mean so yeah. like you having people come in with kids that are saying oh i don't really have time in the morning and i'm like i don't think this is going to be a good option for you now you hit on something you hit on a few things mm. there but the first thing i'm going to pick up is products. Mm-hmm. Now I know that the stuff I find in deals is not going to do the same job as Mm-mm. the stuff I find <laughs> in the salon. Um but that's an education process yeah. in itself. Mm-hmm. Um but firstly what I'd love to focus on is there seems to be have have been a huge advancement in science mm. in professional products recently. Yeah. Where is that going and what's interesting you? Um yeah like we're just seeing a lot more around so basically hair is constructed of you got your amino acids, your proteins, your bonds, everything like that. And basically science has now evolved to target these basically very kind of um, foundation makeup elements of hair, thus offering, again, air quotes, uh, reconstruction. So basically we now have products that can stop damage happening or can actually repair. Because beforehand, nothing could technically repair hair. It doesn't exist. Um, so that's, that is accelerating and it's moving very fast. But there is, because of that, there's a lot of different things popping up. And what can happen is um, people are a bit premature to assume what they can do. For example, Kim Kardashian circa 2016, was it when she first went platinum? I'm not 100% sure. Kim Kardashian used Olaplex. This is why her hair is in such good tact. Everyone took on Olaplex. And I love Olaplex. It's fantastic. Mm. But it is not a bulletproof vest. It will offer you, it will allow you to get away with a bit more in the salon. But that hair is now compromised regardless. And they're going home then and going to continue doing their hair the same. And they, they're wondering why six months later all their hair breaks off, you know? Tell me how the hair is compromised. Because any lightening... So in order to lighten hair in itself, you have to take something out of it. So it's the melanin you're removing. So it doesn't matter if you've kept all the bonds intact, if you've kept the amino acids, the chains, whatever. If you have taken something out of it, the melanin actually helps to hold the hair together. So by lightening it, you've taken that out. It's compromised, you know? It just mightn't be as compromised, but it is way more... If you have somebody who, let's say wash and blow dry their hair every day, never had any problems. And you bleach that person's whole head of hair from root to tip. It doesn't matter what products you use. If they mm-hmm. continue to treat their hair how they did before, it won't hold up. It is, it's different fabric, if that makes sense. So it's gone from being silk to tweed? It should still be silk, yeah. but it mightn't be able to endure what you would normally have put it through okay. before turning to tweed or okay. cotton wool. Right. Know, or just on the ground. <laughs> the last solution yeah so something like a reconstructive product or whatever mm-hmm. will help and that's that's the olaplex the, one. yeah and like it will help with the color and then if you commit to using it um th- regularly at home all that kind of stuff it's gonna help but, mm. but i always talk to clients about like it sounds very like deep around here but like lifestyle changes okay you wash your hair every day you can't do it anymore you're gonna have to do maybe three or four days every if you fully bleached um you're looking at like silk pillowcases if they've like really do like, they work um, they will prevent your hair from catching you. Right. Okay. I personally hate the feeling of them. I feel like I just kind of sliding all over the place in them. But uh, they do stop the hair ripping at night. Uh, like even how you tie your hair up, you have to do differently if you bleach it because you wouldn't. Your hair can't take that tension anymore. It's all these kind of like marginal kind mm. of improvements that you have to make. And if people aren't willing to do that, I'm like, you're you're gonna have a really hard time with this. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter how good the products are. You're going to have a little monk's yeah. hairdo. Yeah, yeah. baby fringe. Um, shampoos. Mm-hmm. Um, what are all these metal shampoos? So yeah, there's there's loads of different ones. So essentially, we have figured out that as hairdressers, one of the biggest issues with hair is hard water. And hard water is everywhere. Even if you don't live in a hard water area, there's some element of it. And they, well, L'Oreal anyway, kind of figured out that actually a lot of the damage that's happening when you, we lighten hair is actually happening because it's interacting with some um, kind of minerals that are in the hair from our water. 
So we now have technology that can take that out before we color. So that again, re- like significantly reduces the damage done in the salon. But then when people go home, if it's the metal starts sticking to it, once again, the hair can become compromised. And is that to the texture or the color? To everything. Oh, it right. can make hair go green. It can make okay. it go orangey. It can make it brittle, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And when you've colored hair, it grabs things easier. So yeah, we now have sh- like shampoos and conditioners that can act as a barrier to stop that sticking. Or there is products that can actually, you can take home and spray in your hair that will kind of pull it out. It's a huge issue. It's a, it's a really big um problem with water in Ireland, especially. But it actually it can, like the list is endless. Like it affects scalp, skin, um, you know. The water quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like people with hair loss can be, you know, can be exasperated. Exasperate? Is that the word? It can be. Ex- yeah, it, it gets worse. That it gets yeah, worse. It gets yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah. I know the word you're looking for. Um, by that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's just products that are kind of with um, you know, bearing in mind to remove that. And there's a very easy way of telling if you need those type of products. Like some people won't always recognize it in their hair. They're like, well, mm. my hair's always been like this. They won't really know any different. But if you have a house where, let's say, you know, when you could see it in the shower, like that lime scale builds up really quick, or like you've lime scale in your kettle, or like the faucets on your tops, if that's like depending on how heavily kind of uh, the sediment is on that would suggest hard water. Okay. Mm. So it's, it's not, again, you don't have to look at it in you. You can see it in your house. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could go out and get a bit of litmus paper as well and throw it into water and see if it turns. If you were a scientist. Yeah. Oh, you can get, you can actually get it quite easy. I think if it goes, oh, is it all oh, purple or something? But um, it's, it is everywhere. Just some people won't feel effects from it yeah. depending on their hair or how much is in it. So do I need, or does anyone need, does one need one of those types of shampoos or you just said the word there yourself, purple. Mm-hmm. You know, because the world went mad on purple shampoos mm. for six months. And what does Wow Dream Filter do? You know, mm-hmm. there are all of these types of products. What do they all do? So just in a nutshell, purple shampoo was one of the biggest like misnomers within our industry. People thought purple shampoo, and because most brands called it brightening shampoo, would mm. brighten hair. It doesn't. Purple neutralizes yellow on the color wheel. So if you have really pale yellow hair, it will make it appear white by neutralizing that. That's all that it does. Will it change the color or will it be more like a concealer? Uh, kind of like a concealer. It can affect your natural. Some people say it does. It like I, it doesn't. It okay. can't really. Um, but because for some people it would appear whiter because it's not yellow, the concept was, oh, purple shampoo, no matter what is wrong with my blonde hair, will make it better. If my hair has gone orange, purple shampoo. If it's gone green, purple shampoo. People would just use it. And they might get a good result the first time, but it builds up because actually you're darkening it down. You're putting something on top of it. And that's when, if you combine that with hard water where your hair might have gone a bit green and then so your friend says, well, I use purple shampoo and maybe they don't have hard water and it works perfectly for them and it makes my hair bright. Somebody might use purple shampoo and actually you've added blue and technically on top of it and it can dull it down and it can cause loads of problems. The and color wheel is starting to rear mm, its head, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really turn on you. And uh, it, it also only works for like, blondes if it's even if the condition's pretty good if there's no like harsh kind of remaining warmer tones it's actually like i generally tell people to steer clear of it unless their hairdresser specifically says yeah, yeah i use that yeah don't on your it's it's kind of a bit mad that you can just go out and buy it because it's I've, I've seen people ruin their hair over it like oh god you know if your hair well, you see people with big purple clumps yeah around the hairline well. or yeah they might have um you know, they might have had their color botched mm. and then they're like, I'll throw purple shampoo in it and it will make it worse. It will, it's like, do you know what I always describe it as? You know those things dentists give you where you chew it and then it, oh, yes. it like purple it sticks, sticks, to, the sticks to all the plaque. Yeah. Purple shampoo does that if your hair is uneven, but like, so anything, what could be like a little bit uneven will make it 10 times worse because it, it can only stick onto the surface. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, if you got like a piece of purple paint right now and there was 
50 different colors of walls yeah. and you dragged purple across that some of it would show up on some of it wouldn't at all you know it's it's all about what it's sitting on top of this is where people have to look at some of your videos and mm. some of the color correction jobs mm-hmm. you have to do because yeah, it purple shampoos becomes clear mm-hmm, there right in there go yeah on. it's definitely if you ask your hairdresser can okay. i use this if they say yeah kill if not just don't go near um what is dream filter and all of these kind of things yeah so dream filter is part of color wow and again it's we're looking at two different issues when we're trying to revitalize blonde hair at home. Are we trying to neutralize it, which is what your purple shampoo would be used for, which is where you would ask your hairdresser first? Or do we have a buildup of some description that might have made what your normal blonde is dull, might have dulled it down? Purple shampoo will make that worse. So if we've identified that it's a buildup, we need to get that out. So you get that out through the likes of a dream filter, which is a, it basically is a, it's a product you spray into your hair, you shampoo it out and it just pulls some of that hard water we were talking about. And then you could maintain that with like an anti-metal shampoo, L'Oreal do one. Um, or sometimes there's like vitamin C ones as well. So vitamin C, we would know for skincare. Um, it does brighten in skincare, ascorbic acid. Absorb, that is right, isn't it? Ascorbic acid, Ascorbic yep. that one. <laughs> um, there's hair products for that as well now. Wow, that's new. Yeah, that is new. So like Red can have one, a vitamin C shampoo. Um, there's a couple of different ones. But like that, that can just clarify. Because again, people have been conditioned to look in the mirror and say, my blonde isn't right. Purple shampoo is the answer. Right. Purple shampoo is the answer for a very specific problem or for maintenance. Everything else could be usually nine times at 10 build up, whether it's your water, the environment, like the air, you know, stuff like that. Pollution. Um, pollution, yeah. yeah um, fake tan, big one, big now one. Now tell me, when you told me this the last yeah. time, I nearly died. I've oh, been yeah. doing very strange things when I'm tanning these days mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Tell us what's going on there. It's it's a pigment, like it's a stain and it's very hard to get out. Like, and blondes always, all where they tan their neck, you can guarantee when they tie their hair up, it's like orange. And sometimes it comes out easy. Other times you're like, I can't do anything about it. But this. it's mad though, because also I know myself that you'd get a color done mm-hmm. and sort of five weeks later you're going, God, that's really weird. The bit by my neck is totally different color. I know, yeah. What has head. he done? Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking it's your hair. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's the orange gloop you're putting around mm-hmm, your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nightmare because it's really, the pigment's very small as well so it really gets into the hair. That is, but it is, it's all these, like, there's so many, again, I, I always talk about like marginal improvements. So like that when somebody's bleached their hair, here's all the marginally small things you have to do. That will add up to you having good hair. There's also marginal errors as well, right? So like people, you could have a blonde and their hair is in a, a terrible way because they tan there all the time and mm. it's getting into the back. Another one is like they tie their hair up too tight. So you're actually snapping some of the hair by using the wrong bobbins. They might wear glasses and put them above yeah. all the time. And those little bits that rest on your nose are actually snapping all the hair around your hairline. They do. Your hair wraps up in it. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're, they're coming to you and they're like, my hair's orange, it's breaking. And what are we going to do here? And if we don't investigate sometimes some of the, the smaller things, we can make a mistake and be like, oh, well, maybe the color is not right for you. Or maybe this product doesn't work for you. You know what I mean? There's so actually... you're a hair detective yeah. as well as an educator. Honestly, endless, endless uh, CV. <laughs> um, tell me about heated products. Mm-hmm. What do you rate? Do you, do you like the wavy ones? Do you like GHDs? Are you a Dyson Airwrap type of person? So I am a minimalist when it comes to heat products. And the reason being because I lose everything. Like literally I have a hairdryer, I have the Dyson, I have one wand and I have a straightener. That's it. You've one hairdryer. One hairdryer. A wand. A wand and a straightener. And who's the wand by? Uh, it's actually this brand called Upgrade. It was sent to me, but um, it's it looked like a sex toy when it arrived, not going to lie. It's in a very sleek black box with a little part that says upgrade. That's it. Great. Lots so of, you were, you, they had you at hello. They had me at hello. Yeah. Oh, something's been sent. Um, But yeah, it, it's really good. It's quite big. <laughs> so and that's the straightener right. that you use? Uh, Steampot. 
Okay, the L'Oreal one. Yeah, and I because th- basically nearly every single style you can create with those two things. Um, so I like I get a bit kind of like weary about people having hundreds of very specialized different sizes and stuff. It's good sometimes to have a couple of different ones, especially for your weddings and everything like that. But like you should be able to do a wave any kind of wave with a straightener. And if you can't do it with a straightener, you can nearly guarantee you can do it with a wand. So I try to be very minimalistic, but that's my only opinion, only because I lose everything. So I just had to learn how to do everything. Sometimes we can get spoiled by choices. Yeah, well. yeah. Now, sell me a Dyson. Sell you a Dyson? Yeah, why? Why Dyson? Why do that, you know, mm. is it the real deal? Is it that good? I do really like it. I really like it because it is, for a professional, it's just your back and your, you know, your kind of shoulders aren't killing and stuff. I think it's great. I think it's not as hot. I think um, it's very good for the hair. Do I think it's for everybody? Mostly. But I could understand a client whose hair takes ages to dry and it's really thick why they might just pick up a really hot option mm. to help get through that. But they'll probably get away with their hair doesn't get damaged. I do think they're great. I think the technology is very good. I actually haven't used them. Um, I never really used the air app or anything like that. But I it's think, too much of an undertaking for me to yeah, try and take on board. Yeah, it's a lot like, um, and I think, you know, there's ways of achieving that ne- without necessarily, you know, having to buy something that expensive. Although I'm fascinated to try that flyaway thing. Have you it's tried very it? good. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah, it is good. It's it uh, and it's cold air as well. No, it's good. I do, I do see an improvement in p- the quality of people's hair when they use them. Um, like my mom uses one. And her hair is completely different since she took over to it. Because so like, she actually isn't going to even need you twice a year soon. Mm, I know. Yeah, She's once becoming a year. completely self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. doing a cutting one and two or her next course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. I do think they're really good. I think they they are they're very fast. I think people can get into the concept that they're not that fast because they're so quiet mm. that people are like, oh, it doesn't really seem to be doing anything. But you you just have to clean them. This is the thing. You you kind of have to baby them. You have to take filter out and empty the filter and all that kind of stuff. You see, this is they don't tell you these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they do. But it very works small. to your advantage if you listen. Yeah, you notice a difference even when when you clean. You're like, oh, this is actually way better Gosh. straight away. Um, when it comes to blow drying, mm-hmm. can a person can somebody with long hair, male or female, mm. blow dry their own hair effectively, or do you need to be above a hair a head to make? It oh work? no, you do it yourself. Some people are amazing at it, especially like curly girls. Oh my god, curly girls. So like, any tips? Um, it's quite hard because you know it's one of those things because I don't have long hair I'm yeah. like just bring everything forward right you'll look mental but then everything being brought forward and it pulls back the full cousin it yeah head down full like the, do you know what the best way to blow dry your hair um, at home would be like that fair faucet thing right where if you actually just have a brush behind it and really large sections and keep pulling it forward and it will it maybe look like it's giving you flicks but actually if your hair is cut a certain way like the, the reason Farrah Fawcett's hair does that is because that's how her hair was cut mm. but it actually will just give you nice soft volume and everything like that Um, the most important thing is to prep your hair for sure It's we, we kind of again fell down this like hairspray rabbit hole I hate hairspray I don't use it um, that much unless I'm doing really rigid work mm-hmm. but people are under the impression hairspray holds a style it doesn't um, prep does so if you prep your hair with the right products so like that I use um, there's a lab in Australia have a really nice it's like a mousse it's called I want body foam but if you prep your hair with that that's that's what holds it hairspray just kind of um, finishes and secures the shape so definitely if you find your hair you need to prep with something like that you taught me this you've got to Teach your hair. You've mm-hmm. got to give it memory. Exactly. You don't it. just freeze it once it's been done. Yeah, because you, otherwise you're just putting actually like hairspray quite heavy. And if you've curled your hair, that's naturally fine or falls down, and there's no um, synthetic kind of coating of memory on top mm-hmm. of it. When you spray hairspray on it, that's going to weigh it down. Now, if you spray enough, it will stay, but it's going to look absolutely horrible. Like it's not going to have any touchability. It's not going to be. It'll be the bad eighties, I suppose. It's going to be 80s. the Debs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> completely. Mm, that kind of look. 
Second last question. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your collab on hair extensions. Oh, yeah, that's great. So um, like that, we touched on it earlier. I never really did hair extensions. I would have always been like, oh, no. And that kind of came a bit from because I specialize so much in color that I, I was like, <laughs> to be totally honest, I'm like, I could not imagine spending another hour on top of this with a client, like especially in your day. But I also kind of um, I had a few misconceptions about it myself. Like I thought you had to spend hours and hours doing it for it to look really effective and stuff. So I just kind of ruled it out. And Easy Locks had been gotten onto me before and it was actually pre-COVID and Shane was like, oh, maybe you should just try some things out. And I was like, oh no. And then COVID lifted and he was like, 200, just try them out and see you get on. And it was around that same time though that actually Danielle, which Wildflower got extensions in and she never would have, but it was seeing the confidence that gave her. She's like, I actually felt like a different person. And then, you know, Shane was like, look, I'm just going to let you play around and you go off and see how you get to grips with it and see if it's for you. And then we can come back and we can mm -hmm. have a chat and if it's for you. And like that, a lot of what I worked in wasn't short to long, you know, it was about like somebody whose hair didn't fully grow back after like having a baby or, you know, things like that, that were low maintenance, but seeing it elevate, um, somebody, how they feel about themselves, that's what made me really get into it, you know? And even like, I teach it in more of a sense now to colorists as well of being like, listen, sometimes you just cannot get someone's hair that way. Their hair, it's not going to lift that way. And if it does, it's gone. But if you want to, you could just add a few little highlights through their own hair and then build these extensions in and you're going to get that color and then they can just take that out. And that's where I saw the value in it then from a more commercial point. So I'm still quite new to it. Um, but it's, it's really exciting because it's just kind of almost like every obstacle you normally would hit with hair, you're like, well, I'll just put something and put someone else's hair on and you know I'm kind of going down the route now looking at it a bit within like the trans community and kind of education around like feminization and you know gender affirming hair and all that kind of stuff and it's 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 a really exciting thing that it can be a part of I think it's really cool but did I see you're doing huge big long strips oh yeah the hair. it's not just little mm -hmm. small bonds you're yeah so you're I, going the other way I'm going all in yeah so it's we're seeing in America at the minute, there's uh, WEFs are becoming huge. Now, WEFs would have been really big already within the black community. And Naomi kind of, Campbell was the queen of them. The queen of yeah. WEFs. And we saw the the results of that is you get really bad traction alopecia if you go too nuts with it. And that's kind of spilled over a bit more. Um, we're seeing it just kind of everywhere now. Um, I have some concerns about it because I think um, sometimes Caucasian hair isn't that strong to have something stitched into it. Um, but we are seeing a lot of wefts be really big in America and it's all these hand-tied, hands-on wefts and stuff. Mm. But what I've been doing, and it's, it's a product Shane developed, is I do tape wefts. So essentially it's one row of really thin tape and you can put hair in between and then you just put another extension over it and it kind of sandwiches the two together. But the benefits is it's really quick. There's no kind of stitching. You're not sewing yeah. anything to anyone's head. But it's... um the weight so it's like the tape extensions that people will have yeah. seen only on a much longer on a weft yeah, yeah yeah and what's great about that is the weight distribution is spread out clever so you're not getting um because a lot of people wearing extensions on the sides that's where they run into issues with potentially hair loss because it's the sides of your hair are too fine but you can have that connect to the sides but the weight distribution spread through the back where the mm -hmm. hair is stronger uh you get a full even kind of finish to the lens and ends there's no gaps nice hair full yeah exactly yeah. so like and you could just do like i've done where i put like two in someone's hair and a couple of individuals and they're literally short to long or like you know my mom who i do like one row in and it fills out the front where like just from like going through life it gets a little bit finer and it, it's just an instant difference so yeah or if I, you have had the hair tie back on wrong and the ponytail too tight or whatever and broken yeah, hair yeah it gets it's, over just, that point. it's just really quick i'm all about an easy life so i'm oh like oh God. it's quick it's fast love it big fan so last question what's left for this year what's left for this what year what are you doing from now until december 
God, sleeping outside. <laughs> um, just getting, yeah, like it's funny, I was only uh, with my manager earlier looking to the year and we're like, where are we meant to fit anything in? So first and foremost, yeah, I just moved house. So going through that teething at the minute. So getting that sorted. Um, I am, I we've America planned, so that should be quite cool. It's just kind of what a touch. parts? Sorry? What parts of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. And then probably New York. So yeah, we're going to go there first. I know, it's quite random, but it seems... I was, like of all places, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. are they big into hair there? Yeah, huge. Yeah, as it <laughs> turns out. Um, so it's going to be there first and then on to New York. I have some friends over there and maybe a bit of work there as well. Um, I have a couple of back and forth dates at the UK. And then just on a personal level like that, um, I talked a bit about like rebuilding that base and stuff. So I've taken some time off and I'm going to be working around like cognitive behavioral therapy around ADHD and organization and skills and just getting that all together so that's going to be kind of almost like a little project over the next little while so all good stuff oh all very exciting so by the time january next year comes along you will basically be the sort of the the zen oh the zen Kondo, educator. yeah that's never gonna happen no <laughs> i'll still be rocking up here in a pair of sliders and socks with a hat on but Don't an organized version of it though i hope well i have to say thank you very much for brightening my lockdown months <laughs> uh with, with the amazing with the amazing it's connor JMD. Yes, good go. Connor JMD. With one N. People give me the two Ns all the time. That's a bit American. It's actually Maybe when English. you come back from Atlanta, you'll have a second N. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Connor. Yeah, Connor, Connor JMD. JMD. Across every. I'm very lucky that the handle has not been taken anywhere. I've bought it. I bought it everywhere now because I was like, nobody else can have it. And then you can resell it all when mm. it all goes wrong. When another, when a younger, more like enthusiastic Connor JMD comes along, he can buy it. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Connor. Thank you for Thanks. having me.